Prophecies have foretold, and wisdom keepers all know, that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast, we are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders, creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times and reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. Shayna and I here. Hello, hello, hello. It's so good to be back. I've been I've been gone for a few episodes and so it's really nice to be reunited with Lauren and having a conversation with her today. Yes, we love when Shayna's here. I actually recently got asked do you like doing them better by yourself or with Shayna? And I really like doing them with you, Shayna. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're a beautiful like interviewer. And so when you have your own space and you have your own flow, it's kind of like facilitation too. You can kind of like go in your own direction. And I find that with myself too. But there is such a magic that we have when we come together. <laughs> Yay. So hi, everyone. The purpose of this episode today is uh, an inspiration we actually had to do at the beginning of the year. But alas, Shana was on a deep initiation process and she's now emerged. So we had to do it, you know, in February. Um, and we really wanted to talk about what this podcast journey and what the interviews and what this exploration of ours has been like and highlight some of the most powerful learnings and then kind of thread some connections and really re-emphasize some of our intention uh, for this podcast, for the journey that we're all on, and also just to share more about what we're thinking and, and bring you along for the ride. So as you said that, I had a question pop into my mind, and I already know the answer to mine, but are there any sayings from this podcast, like something that one of our guests has said that comes up for you often, yes. like a reminder or yes. something that you share with others. Yes. <laughs> I'd be curious to hear which, which, which of those. Yay, yay, are. Louisa T. She's just full of bangers. She just like so mm -hmm. many things from her. <laughs> um, one thing she said, and I'm going to try to embody her presence as I say this, she's like, I ain't want no matriarchy in a skirt or no, I ain't want no patriarchy in a skirt, y'all. Like, I ain't trying to build some matriarchy. You know what she's, I forgot what she said, but I, I ain't building. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not trying to build a patriarchy in a, in a skirt, which would be the matriarchy. Right, exactly. And that's why she was talking about the matrices. The matrices. Mm -hmm. And and that's really mm -hmm. the, putting the, the sacred mother forward, but not having like female dominance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, she comes in my mind a lot. I'm really excited. We're going to be doing some events with her this spring. And so we're in conversations with her right now. And that just feels really exciting because she is full of wisdom. I know. I keep thinking we should bring her back like every 
every few episodes we should bring bring her back. Every few episodes, check in with Mama Yeah Yeah. Um, for me, it's Claire Dubois, and it's her saying like, "All of this is an experiment. You can't fail. You can only learn." And I'm always like, "Ah, can't fail. I can only learn." Thank goddess. Right. Which was our first episode we released? Was it Anne Baring or Zan Baring? Right? Well, the first one we recorded was Juanita. Right. Right. I remember I was in my closet. Yeah. And, and we had no idea. It was her birthday. And there were so many birthday. motorcycles in the background. Our editors uh-huh. really rocked that one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And she was, she's just like incredible to interview. Um, yeah. I mean, Anne Baring was so sweet to interview her and... Yeah, I think she her her episode's one of the most listened to episodes. Yeah, so if you haven't Still. listened to it, go ahead and listen to it because it's pretty revolutionary. Her work is incredible, and I think she's a great place to actually start at kind of unpacking what we've learned from her. Shayna and I, maybe me a little bit longer um, because I had my spiritual path kind of awaken me to a new energy of Christianity. You know, like it was like an, it's an, it was an indigenous awakening, getting back to the earth. But through that, you know, earth-based practice, I encountered Christ energy and the Christ energy that I encountered wasn't like what I had learned in church. It was this different energy. And I think I've been so curious to understand for forever, like what the heck happened? Like, why was it so inverted and distorted? And Mm -hmm. Anne Baring dedicated her life to understanding why. And not just her, Betty Kovacs, many women have dedicated their life to that study. And it had always been an exploration of mine. I wanted to know the history and I wanted to actually understand because intuitively I knew that it's not just men's fault, like this idea that the patriarchy has a stronghold on women. I kind of started to see, actually, no, it has a stronghold on all of us. We're all being perpetuated by some really deep internal illusion or myth and we're perpetuating it and Anne bearing her work really helps somebody unpack how we got here and then if we can understand the history then we can rebuild the future or rebuild redirect the future yeah and and as she says create the new myth create the new story that is required like i think about it often and I think about women in particular, but this this ability to envision and then to gestate, like, and I say women specifically because we have this ability to create life and to create life, you need that period of gestation. And what I've learned, and I know Lauren can relate to this, is when you have vision, it's really easy to want to have it come quickly. But what's required is patience and a deeper embodiment. And often we have to go through trials and tribulations in order for that vision to even become possible. We might be able to see it first. And so from my experience, and I'm sure there's many people on this podcast that can relate, is that we have a vision of what we want to create. We know what it looks like, but can we really feel it in our bodies? You know, and so then there's this period, this gestation period of us needing to come home to tune in and to really begin to feel. And when that starts to happen, when we can learn to walk it and embody it, 
you know, without as many hiccups and hindrances, like we're not getting as triggered as often and we're not kind of falling to the wayside and forgetting as often, the vision starts to kind of like come to life. And I know that Lauren and I have seen this through the work of the Global Sisterhood and all the things we we want to create and the visions that we have and um, what we want to be possible. And like now it's here. And so, but it's taken us like, you know, creating space and working crying, less hard. Working through crying. our trauma, <laughs> getting in fights and reflecting to one another. <laughs> right. Like it's required real work, but that's embodiment, you know? It's not like a mental, like, oh, let's figure it out through this spreadsheet. Like, and that might help help in some ways, but there's been a lot more of of really living the path of what we believe at Global Sisterhood for the vision to actually start to unfold. And now it's like a sweet little flower that's blooming and we get to be in its like precious scent. And it feels like it's blooming in a large way because of the amazing women that are a part of it and also the amazing women like Anne Baring who come and deepen mm-hmm. it. Our mm-hmm. teachers who come and share so openly with our community and it feels like almost like we're understanding what the mission of global sisterhood is even more through the work that these women have pioneered i'm having this really pretty visual kind of come and so we can play with it because it's it's still unfolding but as i was talking about this flower i was seeing the global sisterhood being like you know this nursery and these women come and share their wisdom but in a way they're helping us like till the soil and plant new flowers and then our facilitators and then the people who are listening to this podcast are like the bees and they come and they take in nectar Mm. but then they go and they pollinize you know they pollinate other flowers and you know they go out into other ecosystems and they share and they spread right and that's kind of what it feels like we're doing it's really beautiful. It's really beautiful. I'm just picturing Anne Baring with a, like a one of those tilling devices. I think they're called a hose. <laughs> a hoe. <laughs> Girl got a hoe, and she's tilling the soil. <laughs> uh-huh. So come on, Anne. Come on, Anne. Come on but down. seriously, that's like legacy in action. Right. You know, like these women these elders who came before us, they very isolated while the world thought they were crazy, chose their path with such resolve and such dignity and such effort, even with criticism and all of the patriarchal world against them. And what they're setting was actually probably quite taboo. And yet they did so, they pioneered, they they created a shift in consciousness that continues to ripple and this is it in action so that's really exciting to think about our own legacy you know every single person who is living and birthing children and creating and being it's like we are through our being creating the new paradigm and i think it'd be really fun to talk about like the fact that we talk about the patriarchy a lot on this podcast and I think it'd be a really great opportunity to kind of define what we mean by that and what our prayer is and our hope is through having these conversations. Would you like to share some about that? 
Yeah. And I, I just have to say that now that we've defined patriarchy, I like overhear my dad having conversations about it. <laughs> so funny, but for him, it was a liberating moment of being able to explain and understand what I do. And for him, that was it. That was like the key. So how I taught my father <laughs> is that patriarchy is, is basically a, it can be an ideology, but this ideology said that masculine qualities were superior to feminine qualities. And the reason that this ideology kind of took hold is, and was reinforced by this idea that there's a masculine God and having, you know, God, the most supreme being in the entire universe, be male and have these masculine qualities and be portrayed, depicted in a male body was something that happened, especially in the Western world, um, created a system that, that basically made feminine qualities inferior. And this is not to say that the whole world is like this because there are so many religions and ideologies and ways of being throughout the world that value the feminine and have done so throughout time and to this day. And there was this predominant belief system in the Western world that God was a man and therefore these masculine qualities became superior to feminine qualities. And so maybe Lauren, you can explain about how this like perpetuated this idea of the patriarchy. Right. So we're also taught that we are created in the image of this God, the creator. And so this idea that God is above as well, and we're supposed to purify ourselves because there's some inherent sin or flaw with humanity, and we want to become like this, there's no motivation to become feminine at all. There's no motivation to embrace feminine qualities more. In fact, there's almost a, a, a distortion of wanting to completely eradicate feminine qualities because then they then become associated with sin and dirtiness and feminine qualities being the earth and being our bodies and being these, you know, embody the embodiment of being human. We began to try to rise and, and subjugate and dominate nature. And in so we started dominating women. And this is not just a physical manifestation, an outward manifestation. This is also an inner psychological subconscious manifestation. So within men and women and our ancestors and the way we've oriented, we've subjugated and dominated our own more feminine qualities, uh, compassion, the mystical, uh, the mystical connection to everything, which some people call psychic gifts. Some people have different terms for it, but it's something that is so intuition. innate. Intuition. Yeah. Intuition, empathy. Empathy to me is like a socially accepted psychic power. You know, it really is. It's the ability to. Thanks to Brene Brown. Yeah. Go her, another pioneer. Um, just this like ability to feel one another so completely that we wouldn't want to hurt one another. We wouldn't want to shame another. And we could get out of the mindset of, you know, somebody is bad and somebody is good. Black people, people of color, indigenous bad, white people good. Like it's all within the same 
illusion actually. And it's caused so much pain and so much destruction. And the way through this illusion is by elevating the feminine, elevating the feminine outwardly, elevating the feminine inwardly. So that means relying more on our feminine gifts to navigate. And this includes men. And this includes all, all beings, really. And so it's a conversation that our intention is to include men, not to shame men, not to keep men out of the conversation. I know so many men who do really good work on themselves. And they hear women talking about the patriarchy because of the, the general life. The, the way it is presented in our, our lexicon of, you know, social media conversations that it's like, a it's a shaming of individual men. And while yes, some behaviors are condemnable and they need to change going to the root of anything, going to the root of whatever it is, is actually what creates healing. And so the root is they are just a part of this oppression as we are. Mm -hmm. And I want to tie it back a little bit too, because when we have something like an ideology, when we have a belief system and it gets adopted in the way that um, this idea of a masculine God was adopted, it then infiltrates everything. So every system, the way that we look at the world, the way that we create language, the way that we build anything is using this system, this ideology. And, and, you know, women weren't allowed to do a lot of things for a long time. We weren't allowed to have many jobs for a long time. We weren't allowed to practice earth-based wisdom and practices. Own land. There was a time when, yeah, there was a, there was a, you know, women were property for a lot of, you know, the thousands, meaning zero to now. Um, and and that causes to be women to be out of the conversation. And when these systems were being created, meaning transportation systems, um, ways of communicating, uh, book writing, political systems, they were using these patriarchy ide ideologies because they weren't being questioned. You know, the voices in the room that would have questioned these notions weren't there. It was unsafe you know, the, too. Right. And the people that were oppressed too, because I actually want to say that there's a lot of cultures um, that really value the feminine. And those people were not a part of the conversations either. Mm -hmm. You know, if you weren't a person that looked like this white puritanical male, you weren't able to build, you know, the political system in the United States. And and this happened in a lot of countries throughout the Western world. And so that's kind of what we're focused on in this conversation. But, but that's kind of in my understanding. And, you know, when I talk to Anne Baring and these other legacy holders of the wisdom that has come from this, they. And so we're in a new time because Lauren was talking about elevating. We're not elevating beyond the male. We're not trying to surpass in any way it's really creating harmony and union mm -hmm. with and so it's it's an energetic thing it's a it's a rebalancing of the yin and the yang 
the inherent harmony in nature that is mm-hmm. present in every single living thing. And in a lot of ways, it's like a deconditioning of our mind to remember who we are mm-hmm. and to slow down because you can't remember who you are if you're going at the speed of the patriarchal on your phone. imperialist <laughs> hamster wheel. I mean, it's, it's literally right. actually insane how fast at least the United States moves. And the industrial world, we yeah, can call it that because yeah. it's global. Yeah. And, and getting off that hamster wheel and returning to the natural rhythms of your body's desire to the best of your ability while still surviving in this world is revolutionary mm-hmm. and scary. So, so let's, let's, let's talk about that because, because I'd love to hear from you because I have an inside scoop into Lauren's life because we're Ooh, best reveal friends me. and we also, <laughs> we also run an organization together um, and we're soul sisters, but I'd love for you to share like, you know, even since October, you know, when we started our podcast and you can even go before then, what in your life has changed? How do you feel like you're embodying this mission more? Like what steps have you taken and what has been the result because of, of your changed behavior or belief system or whatever it is? Yeah. It's, it's pretty nuanced and interwoven and complex to be honest, because I'm a complex being with my own traumas and my own everything. But I think there's numerous factors. One is in relationship to people pleasing and a feminine wound, which is also a masculine wound, martyrdom and a lack of faith in my own inner knowing which to people who know me other than shana because shana sees that in action sometimes when it comes to global sisterhood my friends are like what are you talking about like you just know something and you go with it and you manifest it and you live it and it appears that way but on a subtle level building something that's new something that I care so deeply about, something that felt received, you know, it felt like a divine calling one and something that I've had to have patience with to understand like global sisterhood came, there was no business plan. It just kind of happened. And then beginning to steward it was a process of really listening and surrendering and following my guidance and instructions that I received from my communications with the great mother, my prayers to the great mother. And business was something that scared me. Healing was not. Like I knew that I was intuitive. I knew that I had wisdom. I knew that I could guide people through transformational experiences. But running a business and integrating myself into the patriarchal world or the the capitalistic structure really freaked me out in many ways. And so I tried to model what I had seen done to some degree, like while keeping as much of my own flow and my own intuition as possible, there was a part of me that didn't trust that I knew best and wanted to, you know, placate some of my knowing 
to to help global sisterhood survive. So there was like scarcity, there was fear, there was a lack of trust, my own inner knowing. And so what that really activated was my ability to people please. And in global sisterhood's case, it was like I sacrificed myself for global sisterhood. And then when Shana came on board, I felt so grateful that she left her like big, beautiful job in that everybody aspires to get to. And I was just like, now you're here and I don't exactly know what I'm doing. And so would placate my power to Shayna even. And that was just a mess. We didn't enjoy that process. And really what happened was I had been screaming inside for a break to really pause, to really feel and listen, have a lot of space to listen to what Global Sisterhood wanted from me. Because it had been several years of just really just showing up and showing up and showing up. And I hadn't given myself that sacred rest. And really it was a question sparked by Shana that allowed me to really admit out loud that I needed a month off. And I'd never taken that. And so we took a month off and we just didn't do anything for a month, which felt scary. Shana went through her own fears about it. We both went through our process, but I was just like, it brought me back to life, really, is what it did. I did. I fasted. I, I read. I meditated. And I came back with a lot more clarity and also a lot more self-respect and went through kind of the messy process of exerting, exerting I don't want to call them boundaries, but lines in the sand that I'm like, I will no longer cross these. And learning how to do that with grace and, and change the way we work and operate. And so really, since before the podcast started, I was in this process of um, unlearning and deconditioning my own patriarchal wounds so that I could show up in a full embodiment of this mission. And as I started doing that, I started preparing the soil within my own being to really begin to live what I know to be true. And the podcast, this podcast, the, the team we now have, the women we're learning from, um, having led several different circle initiation cohorts, I feel much more anchored in myself as a sovereign woman and creator, and most importantly, a steward of the transformation that's taking place on earth right now. Beautiful, thank you for sharing. And for all of you that are, that are listening, she has really transformed. Like I work with her every day. And so they say that the transformation is subtle and it's harder to see, but there's a way Lauren, that you show up. That's just more real. Oh, yay. Yeah. And like Lauren and I had to go through the messy parts too. Like at first she would be like, no. And that would like shut down my inner child who felt like I was being scolded and abandoned. And so I was like, Hey, you know, like if you said it like this, this maybe would be better for me to receive. And it's a dance because we are in this partnership together. And that comes with so many challenges, like doing it on your own. You can make decisions quickly. You can move forward. You can, you know, it's different. And in a partnership, like a romantic partnership, there's consideration 
I know Lauren's like <laughs> laughing and winking at me because she always says that she's preparing me for my romantic partner. And, you know, who knows? But yes, relationships of any kind will prepare you for other relationships of any kind, for sure. Especially if they go deep and they sit in the fire with you and they hold your hand and tell you it's okay while you do it. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I want to hear you share because right back at you, babe, you're a whole new being completely. I'd love to hear yeah. some about it. What do you think? Um, what do you think you've shed and what do you think you've started to embody? Yeah, well, it's, it's this like coming home to myself. And I I talk about this sometimes, but my 16-year-old self was just a total badass and could take on the world and had a tremendous amount of confidence and like self-understanding, which is super interesting for a 16-year-old. But I just, you know, my parents were super supportive of me and gave me a really good bed of soil to grow up in. And of course, there was challenges and there was traumas and there was all the things, but but I connect to the 16 year old sometimes when I am needing to like instill this confidence and um, yeah, I feel like a freshness. I feel renewed in a way. And what that renewing feels like is that it allows like you, you, you renew yourself by taking a bath or jumping in the ocean. And there's like everything that shouldn't stay on you leaves. And what's left is yourself. And it's really easy to say, but it's like so much more complicated in a way because we, we derive so much of our self, quote unquote, self value from external factors. You know, what other people think about us, um, who other people want us to be, how we fit into the mold of what society wants for us, whether it's in our careers or our role as a mother or a good friend or any of these kinds of things. Like I, I realized that there were so many ways that I was trying to be these things so that I could be blank. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I feel like in a way I'm like a crystal that's getting polished. Like Uh I can see more of my glowing facets and like I'm a, inspired and excited by them like you know I stepped more into like my artistic capacities and so I'm singing more and drawing and feeling more confident in my ability to create so so yeah it just feels like a whole new page and chapter for myself as a human being I felt like in a lot of ways there was so much of my experience in this life that felt gray mundane Mm -hmm. and like was trapped in like comparison Mm -hmm. um like oh that woman on instagram lives such this like beautiful vibrant colorful life and what i'm learning about comparison is it's just the part of me that is gray you know that wants to be colored in that wants to be expressed and so and so now i feel like i'm in this like process of like beginning to express and to color myself in like a you know, the beautiful drawing that I am begin to add life to it, add vibrancy. And, um, that just feels full of potential and exciting. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's where I feel like I'm at. And, um, you know, I've been on a lot of like inner journey stuff. I spent 
seven weeks in Brazil with my teachers there. And, you know, they live in a different culture. I was working with the Yawanawa people and it's, it's full of color. It's It's definitely full of color. And it's not perfect, right? Like the patriarchy runs really deep and strong there in the machismo culture in South America, for sure. Mm -hmm. And so it's not to say I'm not idealizing it, but there was a lot to learn. And there's a lot to, there is a lot to idealize too in the village. Like there are things that are really like, wow, I was, I aspire for our culture to be like that. Right. And I guess the reason I said that is because one of my strong teachings there was not to put people on a pedestal. Right. And I think that's the old way, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what we did with this masculine God. And that's what we've done with other people that seem superior. And, and in a way, every time we do that, we put ourselves lower. Right. I like that. And there's a lot, there's a lot to be exchanged through the cultural encounter with different cultures we can teach they can and i have a lot to offer too right like it's this remembering that i have a lot to offer too because when i remember that i'm empowered right and i remember my place and i remember that i'm a reflection too and this is something that they said to us a lot as guests i remember when i was with them that was what was said and i loved that mm -hmm, but they were mm -hmm. so humble yes humility underline 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 exclamation point let's talk about humility Um, shall we yeah i i want you to share because i think you've been in the study of this for longer like what we think humility is i know you talk about this and what it actually is right well i'll start actually a few a few steps back because you were just talking about comparing right and then putting people on the pedestal and i'm just thinking about Tori's podcast from Sacred Ancestry. And we ended up talking about this in terms of like being versus doing and living in a, living a legacy. And I love what she referenced because it's something that I've been taught this as well about the horizontal versus the vertical and how we can get trapped in the horizontal. And what happens when we're trapped in the horizontal, we compare ourselves to everyone else and we compare ourselves to the current cultural trends and how everybody is acting and we can feel incomplete or like Shana said, gray, but that vertical connection, which I believe helps you elevate yourself beyond that, whatever the current paradigm is to have a higher perspective and a, and a potentially a purer uh, transmission from the divine. And then if you can anchor that into the horizontal, that's how you change the horizontal and you anchor that connection in through expressing what's authentically you into the world. So I want to start there. And in that expressing what's authentically you, I feel like, I feel like humility is the exact same thing as self-worth. And I think sometimes we don't really truly understand what humility is. A lot of us have been trained what in what I call false humility, which is like a self-depreciation dance because we're too afraid to be too much or to rub people the wrong way. Specifically, other women, I think. Women have this tendency. We've been trained not to be so big or to stand out or to make other women jealous or envious. 
And you hear a lot in the culture now that dimming your shine actually dims all women's shine and that really shining your light is inspiring. But the problem sometimes with shining our light and expressing is we're maybe coming and I was big this way. I was actually uh, acting out versus acting in instead of making myself small. I was making myself bigger out of insecurity. I did this probably in high school a lot. I was so hurt, so wounded that I, I was on this pendulum of self-depreciation on one end and feeling like I'm horrible, I'm not enough, I, nobody likes me, I'm not smart, to then having something good happen and being like, oh my God, I really like the way I am. And I'd have this like false sense of confidence that could easily just be like knocked back down if something didn't go my way. And so I think there's this spectrum, this pendulum of going from self-depreciation to like vanity and arrogance. And really, I think the key to finding self-worth is recognizing I am small and I am mighty. I am a, I am a channel for the divine and knowing that you are so, 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 so tiny in the grand scheme of things, yet the cosmos lives within. And anything you dream of, anything you desire, when you're touched in with that I am presence, that divine within, anything can express through you. And to me, this is where self-worth is, knowing that you're infinite and all possibilities are, are available to you. And also in that self-worth, knowing I am small and I am one grain of sand. And I think that's a really beautiful place to learn how to be. And that place has less ups and downs. It's, it's a place where it's easier to experience hardships. It's, it's easier to experience things that would usually knock you down to the self-depreciation part of the pendulum. You kind of maintain more balance. Thank you, Lauren. I think that was such a beautiful share. And I love the way you explained that. And now I kind of want to veer conversation um, to what's going on now at Global Sisterhood and to talk about Sacred Facilitator, our latest offering and the amazing success that we've had with it. And also to share like what's coming and what for our audience to look out for. Sounds fun. Um, well, first, I want to just speak about what's going on with Global Sisterhood and just kind of talk a little bit more about the podcast and where we're going with it before we veer because it feels like, you know, Shana and I got on this call today and we're like, let's just talk about the podcast and, and see what happens. And I want to actually share with you that um, we have so much love for this podcast. We love it so much and we so love that you're listening. And we have big plans to keep bringing on really epic women for all of us to continue to grow together, to unlearn the old way together and really reclaim our self-worth, our humility, our power, and work together to, to be a legacy, to all be legacies and to, and to help this world shift and grow and blossom and reclaim our natural way. We have this incredible program that's starting on February 14th, and it's called Sacred Facilitator. And like many of the things at Global Sisterhood, it came from a dream, from a vision that Lauren had around completing our offering at Global Sisterhood about 
creating this next level facilitation program for these new paradigm leaders that are here to create tremendous amounts of change and hold space for the transformation that's taking place on this planet. And so in this cohort, I had the vision of capping the amount of, of people that would be in this program. And there were a lot of things that went really right during this, if you even want to call it a launch. And we filled up our cohort weeks before it actually started, which is such a very rare, well, just such a validating response. Yeah. And it feels so resonant to what's happening right now in the world because we've been in this period of turning inward and like actually being forced to be inside. And now there's this coming back to people and coming back to community and getting to put into action what we have learned to embody during this this great turn inward, you know? And we're here to help. We are here to facilitate a cohort of women for three months with these incredible facilitators, many of whom have been on our podcast. Yeah, yeah, Louisa Tish, um, Indigenous grandmother Mona, um, Mona Palaka, uh, Tori Feldman of Sacred Ancestry, Juanita Robertson, and so many more, many of whom are on this podcast. And we are going to be bringing the information, the knowledge, and the wisdom that has helped us create the mission of Global Sisterhood and be able to sustain and steward it. And so these women will be taking on a journey in order to finding this part of themselves that wants to be expressed and to be shared and then creating spaces that are spacious and trustworthy and full and rich and expressed, but also carry the qualities that we believe a sacred facilitator needs to embody for transformation to take place. So just to define a little bit about what we mean by new paradigm leaders, typically people think leaders are these people who are going out there and making businesses or whatever, but we actually don't mean that at all. We mean people who are really able to hold space for the collective healing. And whether that be through a business or whether that be through bringing women together in circle or bringing people together in ceremony, we really just mean people who feel a call to use their gifts to allow the divine to work through them however they are best used as a vessel to create real true healing space, places where people can come together that don't exist in many places where people can actually take off their masks, be deeply touched and deeply healed and also remember their power and their mission. And therefore we're all spreading like concentric circles, the awakening of all of our purpose really. And so, yeah, I just like to imagine a world where we all step into our purpose because we each have one, you know, Lauren and I at this moment is to steward global sisterhood and to, and to deeply listen and to embody the wisdom that we receive. And for other people, please, you know, step into the role of taking care of the earth or helping with the prison system or caring about the oceans 
or doing the zillions of jobs that need doing and they need people with passion and inspiration and zeal to be doing them so that we can create this this new vision of our planet where we are taking care we are stewarding our earth that is desperately calling us to come home so that's the intention and and really this year for global sisterhood and for our podcast it's to keep bringing in women that will leave keys that will leave messages for us to remember who we are so that we can more deeply step into our purpose with confidence, with grace, with beauty, and with love. And also so that we can heal our relationships with one another. So we can embody sisterhood. We can embody the role that we play within our community systems and, and learn to relate to ourselves in the world in a healthier and more resilient capacity. Which seems fundamental. If we all got along, would there be any issue? But even you know like, what I mean? getting along seems like it all has to be good, which is not true because sometimes there is friction. Right. So that, there's going to always be fr- friction is like right. creative tension. Right. So that we can all become better, you know, right. and all know ourselves more. So I don't mean getting along, but if we were all in harmony. Right. You know, if we were in harmony in our diversity and we had respect. I think it would solve a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So even if somebody's not, you know, actively on the grounds creating a movement, the movement of understanding and having compassion for other people and really leaning into your relationships and making them solid and creating a beautiful community, boom, like huge, huge progress for humanity. Yeah. And by being yourself. Like, I can't tell you the deeper I step into who I am and I'm expressing in that way, whether it be on social media or in my communities or my friends, they, they realize and they acknowledge me. It's so interesting. And my family acknowledges me and not that I need to be acknowledged, but it feels nice to be seen in this period of transformation and to be recognized. Um, And so, and that's also why we create this community because not all of us have you know, enough of a privilege to have those reflections. And so this community is also built for, for people who need a clear reflection of who they are. And we're here for that. That's, that's why we built this mission is to help women remember and to have a safe space for women to come together to heal. I want to also speak about this because this feels important. We speak about the movement, we speak about the world transforming, we speak about purpose, and I find that it's often easy to interpret that as I need to do more, I need to work harder, I need to X, Y, Z. If there's one thing that we hope to unlearn and really ground into our awareness, is the fact that it's not about doing more, it's about being who we are and listening and trusting to who we are and to have integrity to what we know our needs are and what we know is true for us. And so it's not about doing more, being more, it's about being you. You. So it is. Yee-hoo. And so it is. So should we both share if the Divine Mother were to speak through us, what she would have us say? Yeah, I'd love that. 
Okay, you go first. Uh, you go first. Okay. Open yourself. Open your heart. Allow yourself to feel the oceans and the mountains within. The vastness. The spaciousness and the love that is always present. You are always home with me. You are always loved by me. You are me. And so it is. Daughter, sweet daughter, dance. Move your body and express yourself. Commune with me in the forest, by the water, on top of a mountain. Breathe me in the air. I am in you. I am in you. I am in you. Open yourself, surrender, and allow me to move you, to express through you, and to guide you on your sacred path. And that's all for now. (laughs) And so it is. Thank you, Laura. I love you. Love you. I love you, and I love all of you listening. This is how Lord and I talk to each other sometimes, so we could talk to you like this too. Yeah, we talk about big concepts and then we also act like little girls. And we go in our fort with twinkly lights. And furry rugs. (laughs) Speaking of being you, we're us and we hope that you enjoy who you are. We'll speak to you next week.